and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend Ann Chavruta, Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Chagiga, daf Yud Chet, page 18. Okay, before we begin, page 18, I want to just note that this is a very short Masachet, and our Siyum is fast approaching. We've got about 10 more days before we have our final Siyum for Seder Moed on March 6th. The timing, as you know, 10 a.m. Eastern Seaboard Time, 5 p.m. Israel Time, we are looking forward to closing Masachet Chagiga together with, you know, in the same Siyum session as our retrospective of, of Seder Moed altogether. Um, as we move on into Nashim, into the Seder of Nashim, we will have, you know, a whole different orientation towards how we're going to deal with our Dapim. Uh, but in the meantime, we have much to say about Moed, and we would eagerly... Um, like to hear from all of you and your own retrospectives, uh, please let us know if you would like to speak at our Siyum. Uh, Yardena, I know you're going to prepare the registration form in the next couple of days. Get ready. It's coming. And for all of you who have invested any amount of time in Seder Moed, I think uh, you deserve to be part of the, um, you know, the celebration of, of the learning of the of the entire Seder. Okay. Now, Daf Yudchet, we have here a Mishnah. I'm on Amabet. Amad Aleph was really the continuation of the discussion of Tashlumin and the different Chagim, the different holidays that we had on Yod Zion. And here we have, um, really, we're shifting gears a little bit. You want, one must wash, you have to wash your hands by, you know, you pour a certain amount of water over your hands before you eat Chulin, before you eat non-Kodesh uh, food. And also for Maser, also for the Kodesh food, also for um, Maser is tithing, right? And Truma is the tithing of the tithing. And, but Vila Kodesh, so re, for, well, I guess I get this is the tricky part, right? The tithes and the Truma are not considered uh, Kodesh in terms of Korbanot. They're not considered sacrificial food. They're just considered the tithes, the portion that is given to, you know, respectively the, the Levium and the Kohanim and so on. Um, but for the Kodesh, meaning for the Korban food, Matbilin, you have to actually dunk, you have to immerse in a mikvah, not just your hands. And then what happens if you're talking about, um, if you're talking about the Korban Chatat, if you want to bring a Korban Chatat, what do you have to do? You would, you're, you would have to, um, well, the question is, are your hands rendered impure? And if so, does that mean that your entire body is rendered impure, in which case you would need to immerse fully in a mikvah, right, before eating from the korban chatat? Okay, so that's where, that's why I say we're shifting gears because we're going, uh, we're delving back into Tumantara, specifically here washing hands, specifically in the context of the washing of hands prior to food, and when that is insufficient, uh, the need to dunk in a mikvah to be pure enough to be uh, you know, to change your status from impure to pure in order to be able to eat from Korbanot. So then the Mishnah goes on, and we get a whole list of different levels of, of Tumantara. So what happens? If you dunk for, if you, Taval, if you dunk in a mikvah for the purpose of eating chulin, meaning regular food, non-sacred food, then you're assumed to have whatever state of purity for that chulin, but 
you are prohibited to eat from the tithes. If you dunked for the sake of eating the regular tithes, then you will have the status, you are presumed to have that status of being pure from Aser, but you are prohibited from eating from Truma. Truma is considered to be at a higher level or requiring a higher level of uh, of ritual purity, right? Tavala Truma, Urzakla Truma, Asur Lakodesh. And likewise, if you dunked in the name of eating Truma, then the assumption is, the presumption is that you have achieved the the purity status for eating truma, but you are still prohibited from eating kodesh, kodesh meaning the food of karbanot. Kavala kodesh, uchazakla kodesh, I should say before even we get to the kodesh, and if you've if you've um, been rendered pure for whichever status, then all the lesser ones, you're also like able to eat from them, right? Meaning if you can eat truma, then you can also eat maser, and if you can eat maser, then you can also eat so if you can eat from the korbanot, from, from let's say a shlamim, right? Meaning, maybe that's not a good example. Um, from from an example of one of the kinds of korbanot that you would eat from that isn't a korban chatat, then you could still, um, any, you're presumed to be tahor for, for that kodesh, but you're not allowed to eat from the chatat. Taval l'chamur, mutar l'kal. And again, this is a point that I just made, right? That if you've immersed for the sake of a stringent category, meaning for the more restrictive category, then mutar lakal, then you are allowed to eat from the lesser ones as well. Taval v'lohuchzak ki'ilu lo taval. But also, if you if you dunked, right, and you had no intent to achieve tahara, right, meaning that you were going to achieve a level of purity. Right? You didn't mean to purify yourself. You just went swimming and you happened to go underwater and it happened to be in a mikvah. Right? Then that's considered as if you didn't dunk at all. This last bit, I think, is the piece that I find the most interesting of this entire Mishnah. The idea that tvila, or at least for this per- these purposes, tvila seems to require intent. And I would not have necessarily presumed that. Right? I might have thought that the phenomenon of going under the water in a kosher mikvah is sufficient to get you pure. Um, okay, then the Mishnah is a long Mishnah and it shifts gears. Big day Amha Aretz, Midras le Frushin, Big day Frushin, Midras le Ochle Truma, Big day Ochle Truma, Midras le Kodesh, Big day Kodesh, Midras le Chatat. And again, we have a hierarchy here that the garments of a person who is considered an Amha Aretz, now an Amha Aretz, he sometimes translates that to mean an ignoramus, but here, what it really means is somebody, or the way it's used is to mean somebody who is not careful about the laws of Tumantara, right? So somebody who's wearing, meaning the Amharetz is wearing his clothes, right? So the presumption is that his clothes are not Tahor, right? That they are impure with a level of impurity that's considered um, like a Zav, right? Meaning, that's why it's Midras, like the the tr- the person who's walking, that's a level of Tumantara. We talked about I don't know. We talked about the hierarchy of Tumantara a very long time ago. I feel like it always needs review. Um, okay. And then, right, that's considered the base level of impurity for just somebody who's just, I don't know, not careful about these things. That's their base level of impurity. And then for somebody who is careful, right, Midras the Fushin, Big Day Fushin, I'm sorry, somebody who is, somebody who is very careful with regard to Tumantara. 
that person's clothes are considered like as if someone was a Zav with regard to a Kohen who's eating truma, meaning the person is careful but still can't come to eat truma. And likewise, those who eat truma, which means that they're already at a level of purity, are still considered impure in the way of when it, if it would come to eating Kodesh. And likewise, those who eat Kodesh would be considered, their clothing, their garments would be considered impure um, if, for, if they were talking about one who's in dealing with um, a Korban Chatat. So again, we have this hierarchy uh, where in this case, we're talking about clothing as opposed to hand washing um, and it's, or immersing. And it is still, I don't know, each level still counts, right? Like the, the ever increasing need for purity uh, stands the same for the various categories. And then here we have a narrative, which again, I, I like when this happens in the Gemara. I'm surprised to see it happen in the Mishnah, but maybe it's not so surprising. Maybe the Gemara learned from the Mishnah. Yosef ben Yoezer hayach hasid So Yosef ben Yoezer, whom we know, Yosef ben Yoezer, whom we know from Pirkei Avot, most, like those five Zugot, that your, your data that you mentioned the other day, um, Yosef ben Yoezer was the Hasid, the most pious person of the Kohanim. And he was very, very careful to only eat truma in a state of tahara, in a state of purity. But his clothing was still considered impure, right? For the purposes of kodesh, of eating korbanot. And then we have the next guy, right? Again, Yochanan ben Gudgida, who would eat um, he would treat Hulid as if he needed to to keep Tara the same way for Kodesh. He would handle everything as if everything was Kodesh all of the time, Kol Yamav, all his days, except even he, his clothing was still considered impure for the context of, of Chatat, somebody who's going to be dealing with uh, purifying. So all of this, I think, really boils down to the hierarchy, I think, is the most important thing here. The fact that they lived it is evident from Rav Yosef ben Yoezer and Rav Yochanan ben Gudgada. Um, and I think, as always, when it comes to Tumantara, these are categories that are relatively foreign to us because we just don't, like, we wash our hands and we, you know, before bread, whatever, but and we dunk in a mikvah at the times that we do, but we don't deal with issues of dunking in a mikvah for the sake of eating. That is no longer part of our religious lexicon um, because we don't have the Beit HaMikdash and we don't have the Karbanot and we don't have a Paraduma and so on and so forth. Um, okay, Yardena, I think I'm going to hand it over to you at this point. The Gemara here asked an important question, right? and then I'll hand it over, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? The Gemara says, who says that you have to wash your hands for chulin and and maser to begin with, right? Maybe you don't have to. And so the Gemara is going to delve into that first and foremost. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to read a little bit here. As we talked about when we did our introduction to Chagiga, uh, the rest of Chagiga is basically going to deal with Tumantara. These, what I'm loving about Chagiga is I think it's had some of the most rich material. Um, you know, many of these stuffs were like, oh, we have so much to talk about. But it really also talks about, we spoke about the experience of being Ola Laregel and all the Korbanot that you bring. And we discussed that that's really not part of how we celebrate Chag at all today. And, you know, now we're going to be talking about Tumantara, which is also something that 
we really, unfortunately, don't really, really, you know, keep anymore today as well. Um, and so I think the concepts that we're going to see in the next couple of Dapim, you know, I just want to acknowledge they are rather difficult because they're just not part of our halachic language anymore. The same way the beginning of the Masachet is also not part of our halachic language. Um, and so, right. So the Gemara basically wants to start with this discussion of, you know, do we need to really wash your hands uh, for non, you know, for hulin, for non-sacred foods and for maser? Um, and so the Gemara is basically going to, you know, raise this contradiction uh, by bringing a Mishnah um, from Bikurim, uh, which uh, says the following. Ura min he Mishnah, because it's going to take a lot of time and I want to get to a different piece of the Gemara. But the point here is, is that essentially this Mishnah says that um, that somebody does have to uh, that somebody does have to wash their hands, uh, you know, if they uh, if they're going to eat uh uh, if they're going to eat, um, uh, if they're going to eat chulen, right? This is what it's talking about because it says at the end here, right? Everything that they discussed here uh, is, you know, true of truma and bikurim. Right? But the mission that says in the ad, you know, says at the ad that these laws apply, uh, but don't apply to maser, right? And even more so, do they not apply to um do they not apply to uh, hulin? So kasher, maser, maser, kasher, hulin, hulin. So this becomes the kasha. Because basically in bikurim, right, it basically says you don't need to wash your hands for hulin and for maser. And our Mishnah says in Chagiga, you do need to wash your hands for hulin and maser. So they really, the Gemara has actually really set up for themselves uh, a, a very excellent uh, a very excellent kasha, right? It's basically a classic kasha. You have two Tanaitic statements that say something uh, totally different, right? So then the Gemara says, Bishlama Maser, Maser Lo Kasha, right? So, okay, yes, with the, the Maser and the Maser, it's not a kasha. Ha Rabbi Meir, Ha Rabbanan, right? The Mishnah Bikurim is basically the opinion of Rabbi Meir. And the Mishnah, our Mishnah here in Chagiga is basically uh, the opinion uh, of the rabbis. Um, and so uh, how do they prove that? Uh, they basically prove that by quoting next a, a, a Mishnah from uh, Para, uh, where Rabbi Meir basically, you know, uh, gives this opinion that you do not need to wash your hands uh, for, uh, for Maser. So after they go through this Mishnah and Para, which again, I'm not reading just for time's sake, then they're left with Achulun, Achulun, Akasha. Okay, but what do we do about the issue of Chulun? right, that we, we still have the kasha about chulen, that in our Mishnah, it seems to say even for chulen, you need to wash your hands, and then that bracelet that they brought in Bikurim, you don't need to wash your hands. Lo kasha kan b'achila kan b'negiya. So now the Gemara goes through very interesting. They say, no, one, the Mishnah is referring to, our Mishnah, the Chagiga, is referring to eating, you need to wash your hands. In Bikurim, it's only dealing with the issue of touching. And if you're just touching something, but you're not going to eat it, then you don't need to wash your hands before. And so now we have Mati Plug, Rav Simi Barashi. Rav Simi Barashi basically totally objects to this. And he says, So he says, okay, the rabbis disagree with Rabbi Meir only with when it comes to eating Maser, 
But when it comes to touching Maser and eating Chulin, they don't disagree with him. So he's like, this this resolution of the Gemara doesn't really make sense. You're going to say that the rabbis only disagree with this one particular case with Rabbi Meir that has to do with eating Maser. But when it comes to touching Maser or eating Chulin, they don't disagree. He's like, this doesn't really make sense. Then that's not really sort of a full uh, machlokas. So he says what? Um, so he says, Ella, Ella, So he says, no, both this Mishnah, right, and that Mishnah, meaning our Mishnah Chagiga and the Mishnah Bikurim, they're both referring to eating, right? They're, they're referring to eating Masar and they're referring to eating Chulin. The La Kasha, but it's not a Kasha. Kan de Nahama, Kan de Feri, right? So our Mishnah, right here, this Mishnah is dealing with eating bread, which of course requires somebody to wash your hands. Whereas the Mishnah Bikurim is dealing with eating chulin fruit, basically, right? And for that, you wouldn't need to wash your hands. Because Rav Nachman says anybody who washes his hands for fruit is gase ruach. He's haughty of spirit because he's showing that he actually is sort of taking upon himself a, um, a, 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 a you know, a chumrah that even the chachamim uh, didn't actually uh, require. So I, I wanted to just sort of read this whole Gemara to sort of show what the thought process is here, right? This is sort of a classic Gemara, right? We have our Mishnah, we bring a Brisa that's a Machlokas, and then essentially we have to go through and try to solve what could one case, what could the Mishnah be talking about? What's the case of the Mishnah? What's the case of the uh, seemingly contradictory uh, Brisa? And we basically get into now and even to me, even more foreign, right? Which is that we sort of wash for certain foods and we don't wash for other foods. So this is going to be continued tomorrow. We're going to continue this discussion. Uh, there's a brace of the spot in the bottom of the page here, but we'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, uh, but, you know, this whole idea of like what we wash our hands for and how we wash our hands, well, you know, there's much more to discuss, but I, I think this is just a good Gemara to see. This is a very typical flow of a Gemara, Right. Uh, two Tanaitic statements, how do we want to resolve them? And again, the assumption here is, is that there has to be sort of like one cohesive halakhic thought. And I, I think it's just important to pay attention to when the Gemara lands on being able to say like, no, it's just a machlokas. And when the Gemara wants to say, no, it's actually cohesive. I think also that the Gemara, like this kind of making sense of um, Tumantara, right? Always when we come to Tumantara, there's a presumption of knowledge that we have to, that I find, that, you know, we need to kind of refresh our memory all the time. So then when the Gemara gives us a nice, you know, nice Gemara argument structure type of thing, I feel like, oh, that's nice and comfortable again. Meaning the Gemara is doing the Gemara thing in a topic that is a little bit less cozy. That works. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the staff and our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.